0: Hi, I'm Pastor Gabe of The Reborn Church, and welcome to our podcast. I pray today as you listen, the message would inspire you, encourage you, and strengthen you, and give you a craving for righteousness, to pursue holiness with God-glorifying ambitions. Okay, please stand for the reading of God's word. We're going to be in Colossians 1, starting verse 1. I'll be reading, and Pastor will also be reading out of the English Standard Version. So if you're in the Bible app, you can go to the English Standard Version. This is the words of the living and true God. Verse 1 says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy our brother, to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father. You may now be seated. Amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for another wonderful day. It's truly, truly a blessing to be here today to worship you in three aspects, and that is the singing of praises where we exalt you, also in our giving and then also in the reading and the studying of your word. We are thankful, Heavenly Father, for your incredible plan of redemption to redeem Man and to use us as those vessels to pour grace into others. We thank you on this wonderful, glorious Sunday where we come gathered together. Lord, bless today's reading. Help me to speak without error. And bless the hearers today as we apply this word to our daily life. And we pray it together in Jesus' name. Amen. amen. Healthy living. Living a healthy life, I think, is very important. If you read that, this is the beginning uh, title of the sermon, Living a Healthy Life. I think a lot of us want to live healthy lives. Uh, Some of us say we're going to live a healthy life, but we don't really eat like we're living healthy. And so we struggle with (laughs) the food aspect of our life and wanting to eat healthy. Um, I think uh, it's very important that we do drink a lot of water Should we not drink a lot of water? Yes, we should. Uh, Drink a lot of water. Of course, eat uh, your fruits and vegetables. (laughs) Uh, You know, kind of refrain from a lot of the sugary things. And it's easier said than done, isn't it? It's so easy to say that. But we really, really need to live a healthy healthy life. But um, for the church in uh, Colossae there, there was a letter that Paul had written to the church from prison, right around the same time he wrote the letter to the church in Ephesus for the Ephesians. Now, remind you, he's in prison, and he gets a good report from a man named who who is a leader there. And he has great things to say about this church. They're a healthy church, but there's sort of an epidemic going on around the city about some infiltration, a false teaching, in this city, so it was very important for Paul to write this letter. Um, I think for all of us, if we want to be healthy Christians, we need a good dose of the truth. Yes. And that's what you really need. You need to be taught the truth of the Word of God. Whether uh, you become offended is not my problem. It's between you and God. Um, I really, really have to give you the truth of the Word, and this is the truth of God's Word. But I guarantee you, when you see, when you hear the truth, and you apply it to your life, you will be a lot stronger in the long run. It's best for you to hear the truth and not to hear something that's really sugar-coated because sugar-coated gospel doesn't do anything for you at all. It tastes good. Sometimes it, it, you, you, can, you can smell it and then you can hear some of the things, and, but eventually it will then poison you. So there's poison in the church. There's poison coming from behind the pulpit. There are ministers who preach a different gospel, a different Jesus, but we want to tell you about the real Jesus. In this letter, the real Jesus that we serve there 's a different type of Jesus. Of course, we talked about this very thing uh, in the previous letter from Peter first and Second Peter, primarily a lot in Second Peter about the false teachings of a different type of Christ uh, that is being taught from behind the pulpit. But this church is pretty healthy, but there's something outside the church that wants to get its way into the church to try to cause division within the church. Now, that is very truthful about this church and every other church that preaches the truth of God's word. There's always some outside source sources that are demonic that will try to find their way into the church and try to cause division within yeah. the church. So we have to be aware of it. We have to identify it. And then, we call. of course, we have to deal with it. So here, right in the beginning, um, to live a healthy life, you need a good dose of the truth of Scripture. Of Scripture. You need to spiritually feed yourselves the truth of God. It will strengthen you. It will keep you. And it will sustain you. This is God's Word. But here in the uh, sermon points, and if you have your sermon notes, I pray that you do have them. If you don't have one, our ushers uh, and readers will then give you one if you need one this morning. But point number one, I'll read it from the onset before I go into the word of God here. It says a dangerous teaching was threatening the church at Colossae, one that lessened Christ's role and undermined the new identity of believers in Christ. Now here is the problem, and I was going to talk about this tomorrow, but I will talk about this as well today, that here in the church, we know that Jesus is all we need. Jesus is everything that we need. He is sufficient. He is supreme. He is everything that we need. But here in this city, they were teaching that Jesus was prominent, but Jesus wasn't preeminent. That Jesus plus something is what you need, but we know that Jesus really is all we need. That's all we need is jesus the truth of who christ is but here it was jesus plus add a little something to your life it was jesus and then add this to your life but no jesus is all sufficient jesus is everything that we need jesus is all i need i don't need anything else but jesus my friends will come and go but i know that i have jesus and he's everything that i need And you should feel the same way because when it comes to preaching, when it comes to teaching, we need to tell others about who Jesus is because Jesus saves souls. Jesus can transform lives. It was beautiful to see a life transformed. The many miracles that people pray for, and there are miracles they want to see, miracles they want to, to see with their sight, with their own eyes, but the greatest miracle that we can see is the fact that you've been transformed. That is a wonderful miracle. I don't know where you've been, but I know where I've been, and I thank God for the miracle of a transformed life, and it came because someone was preaching the truth about Jesus. They were telling us that Jesus saves, and that my life, and the way I was living my life, was headed for eternal damnation. Now, you don't hear that too many times from behind the pulpit, but too many people need to understand uh, that they, they, they hear something that it's not really edifying to them. It's not really going to bring them healing, but the truth about who Jesus is will. But here in this city, in Colossae, they were saying Jesus is prominent. Yes, he's important. He's not preeminent. Jesus is important. Yes, he's like an angel, but he's not preeminent. And we know that Jesus is the creator of all things. Jesus is the creator of all things. Not only was he there in the beginning for all creation, he's the agent of that creation. So Christ and receiving the truth about Christ and the importance of his deity is very, very important. Let's go to text number one, verse number one. On the onset, it says, what's his name there? What does his name say? It says, I who? Paul. Paul. He uses that name, Paul. It's his his Roman name. He uses Paul. Uh, He's Saul of Tarsus, but in Roman culture, he's known as Paul. He's using the name Paul. Paul here, he's the apostle to the Gentiles. He says, an apostle, why is he an apostle? We know what an apostle is. An apostle is one that has seen becoming Christ, that has seen Jesus, Walk with Jesus, Talk with Jesus. He's seen Jesus, and he's been given a message by Jesus to proclaim to the nations. So therefore, there is an apostle. He is an apostle. He's Paul, an apostle. He's seen Jesus. When did he see Jesus? When did Paul see Jesus? He saw Jesus on the road to Damascus when Paul was on his way to arrest and persecute believers in Christ. Because he was, so, he was so enamored with Judaism coming from being a Pharisee and the teachings of Mosaic law. And so he was very zealous about his religion. So he was on his way. To try to do what he could to eradicate Christianity, to have Christians arrested, to have them pulled out of their homes, to have moms and dads separated from their kids, to pull them away and to lock them up so they wouldn't be able to spread the news about who Jesus was. So he's on the road to Damascus and he's on his way there when he, at the, at the, at the time of the day, was noon. It was at 12 o'clock. And imagine 12 o'clock here in Arizona how hot it must have been but how bright the sun was and on his way with the rest of his people to go and to try to arrest christians he sees jesus It says there's a bright light that appears brighter than the sun if you imagine that brightness of jesus that it was brighter than the sun as i was speaking to deacon jew we were talking about this that you yourselves can't even look at the sun you can't even look at the sun for a second before you turn your eyes but jesus was brighter than the sun brighter than the sun and he sees Paul sees Jesus and Jesus calls him out by his Jewish name and says Saul, Saul why are you persecuting me and so because he had seen Jesus his eyes were blind he, he became blind he became blind that he could no longer see until for a short period of time that he was able to be ministered to and then the Bible says his scales were removed from his eyes that he was able to see Jesus is preeminent. So he is an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. This is something that he was doing by the will of God. It wasn't his own decision. God got a hold of him. What was he doing? He was on his way to persecute Christians. But it was by the will of God that he got a hold of Saul of Tarsus. That he got a hold of Paul. It was by God's will. And I don't know about you, but I know it was God's will that he got a hold of me. Amen. I had nothing to do with it. It was all God. It was by the will of God that he got a hold of you as well. And so here he says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, by the will of God, Ephesians 1, 4 says he chose us in him. Before the foundation of the world, we have been chosen by God. There was going to be a moment in time when you would come to saving faith in Jesus. You would come to know Jesus, the truth of Jesus, the real Jesus, the life transforming Christ. And here Paul experienced this, and he writes this letter. It's very important that he's telling the reader here the importance of who Christ is, what who, who he is as an official apostle, his office, but a messenger of the gospel. And so after John's death, the apostle John, after his death, That ended the office of an apostle, just so you know. It ended the office of an apostle. There aren't any more apostles. Although people will put that title by their name and call themselves an apostle. They are not an apostle. That office ended with the death of John. But here he says, Paul, an apostle, given by the authority of Christ Jesus to proclaim this message to those who needed to hear it. He does it. And Timothy, our brother. To the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae. Now, if you go to point number two. I'm sorry, point number one. I want to let you know that he's identified in Jesus. Paul knows who he is in Christ. Do you know who you are in Christ, church? This morning, if someone asks you, who are you in Christ? Do you know what to say? Can you say who you are in Christ Jesus? Number one, you should be bold. You should have a boldness about you if you are in Christ Jesus. That means you are unashamed to say who Jesus is. You should have a boldness about you, and that's some sort of cavalier way of representing who Christ is. If you know who Christ is, and you know what he, you know what He has done for you, He saved you. You should be bold enough to share this message with the world wherever you go. You should be bold. That is your identity. You should have a boldness. About you. Number two, you should have confidence. Are you confident in Christ? Do you have a confidence about you? Do you know who you are in Jesus? I'm confident, I'm secure, I know who I am in Christ. I'm confident. You should have confidence. This is a part of your identity, boldness, and confidence. And also, number three, He's sufficient. Jesus is sufficient if he saved you I don't care about anything else in your life if he saved you he's done enough for you already That's right. if you are born again and you are redeemed you are a justified believer you have the Holy Spirit he don't have to do nothing for you because what he's done for you was the greatest thing and that you are saved for all of eternity Amen. this is the good news of the gospel it has to be bad news there's people who think they're going to get to God on their own merits on their own righteousness This is what's the Oprah Winfrey Gospel. The Oprah Winfrey Gospel is the gospel that says, I have Jesus, yes, but I'm studying Hinduism as well. I have Jesus, yes, but I like to dabble with astrology as well. I have Jesus, yes, but I also want to dabble into a little bit of yoga. I want to dabble into all this other stuff because I have Jesus, but I want to add all this other stuff. Let me tell you something. If you have Jesus, you ain't going to mess with none of that stuff because you know who he is and the truth of who Christ is. And finally, number four, you are competent. You are competent. Before we were ignorant. Before Christ, we were ignorant. We did things what we wanted to do. We, we did all kind of crazy things in the world, and we were ignorant to the truth of God. We were ignorant that not understanding that God is a holy God. He's a holy God a holy God. You don't understand that you yourself can't even stand in the midst of God. Come when near God because of who you are being in this wretched flesh that we are. But when you understand that God is holy, he is holy, and you understand who you are and why you need Christ, why you need his righteousness, you are competent. You are no longer ignorant. You are competent. And the smartest people in the world don't get this. The wisest people in the world don't get this. And it takes people like you and me to understand it. And we get it and we're confident. We're no longer ignorant to the things of God. We are awake because he has opened up our eyes the way he opened up Paul's eyes after blinding him on the road to Damascus. I'm going to give you some numbers. And then I'm going to give you the problem that the outside Preachers that were coming into the church were trying to teach a thing. And you may like this because a lot of it has to do with real legalism in the church. A lot of legalism in the church. I'm going to read these numbers to you of the New Age infiltration into the church. Into the church. Forty percent of America loves to meditate. Meditate. Now there's a difference between this Hinduism form of meditation and Christian meditation. We're not doing this when we meditate. We don't do that. We know how to meditate on the word of God, Amen. study the word of God and memorize the scripture, meditate. But 40% of Christians of, of in America like to meditate with the mixture of Hinduism involved in their Christianity. Thirty percent believe in reincarnation in America. This is just America. Thirty percent believe in reincarnation. You guys understand what reincarnation is? It's the Hindu belief that one day, that if I die, that I may come back as a bald eagle. (laughs) I can grow hair. I just want to be bald. Reincarnation, 30 percent of the American church believes in reincarnation. What kind of teaching is going on from behind the pulpit, that someone could believe that in, they would be reincarnated into something else? Twenty-five percent, a relatively no, a low number, according to 100 percent, believe in astrology, but I think those numbers are far greater because I don't know about you I know some Christians who are still reading their horoscopes 25% believe in astrology can you believe this reading of the stars well who created the stars reading in the stars people trying to meet other people and want to know what their sign is Taurus don't mix with a Taurus and so forth and so on ain't got nothing to do with it astrology in the church And then 30 million people in America practice yoga. Yoga. And there's some things where they say, well, yoga is okay because there's some Christian yoga. But I know where the yoga came from and where it originated from. But 30 million practice yoga. Yoga. Can you believe that? This is what's happening inside the church today. But here in Colossae, what you had was a form of uh, legalism called aestheticism. Meaning that nothing good can come from this body. It has to be all spiritual. That many, many of them didn't believe that Jesus was even, didn't even have human form. So they come against his deity, the fact that he was fully God and he was fully man. That's called the hypostatic union, two, two natures, two divine natures, one divine and one uh, human nature together. He was fully God, fully man. They would, they would teach against this and teach what's, what's called asceticism, meaning you couldn't even enjoy the normal pleasures of life. And if you did that, then you were in sin. It was real, real legalistic teaching that was infiltrating into the church. There are some things that you and I both enjoy that we can enjoy in this world. And this teaching was forbidding those who were Christians to participate in some of the pleasures that God has created for us in this life. Some of the basic needs and comforts that we have in this teaching of aestheticism was denying everyone these facts. A lot of infiltration of false teaching coming into the church. And a real deviation, they we're trying to deviate from who God was in his humanity. In his deity, we know that he was God in the flesh. He had the human will, a human mind, and this flesh that he dealt with. And he was perfect in all his ways. Like we sang that song earlier. Number two, of the point of the sermon, it says Paul wrote to warn this false teaching and to encourage the believers in their growth toward Christian maturity. Growing in your Christian maturity. And many of you already know what you need to do to grow in your life with Christ. And when you know that what you need to do to grow in your life with Christ, what is it that's prohibiting you from doing This very thing, the thing that keeps you growing in your faith, there are so many things that come against you in your faith and in your life with God. And I bet you know what it is and you can identify what those very things are that come against your prayer time, come against you reading the word, come against your time of fellowship and the actions that come and to try to prohibit you from growing in your spiritual maturity with God. Here Paul is warning that the enemy is very active in doing what he can outside the church to try to keep you from coming into the church and also the pastors that are being attacked, the different schools around the country that teach pastors so many different false teachings, but yet they believe that it's true and it infiltrates into the church and you believe in another Jesus that cannot save. And there's so many schools. We say, I went to school. I learned this at school. There are many schools, many schools, In America of course across the world that are very inaccurate and you need to be able to study for yourself and understand the Word of God for yourself ask questions this is what church is for church is for us to come together to read the word if you're if you're a Christian and you call yourself a Christian and you don't read the word and you don't know the word then you probably are not a Christian can we be truthful this morning if you say you're a believer but you know nothing about the scriptures, then you probably are not even saved. Because the Holy Spirit will compel you to read, will compel you to pray, will compel you to reach out and tell others about where you were going but now where you are secure in Christ. Yeah. This is like a fire that we all have within us. Who doesn't want to have the boldness and to be competent and to be Self-sufficient, knowing that He is all that we need. There's a Jesus that we teach. There's a Jesus, a true Jesus, that needs to be taught from behind the pulpit that many will know and love and will serve. But when you sit, when you preach a different Jesus, a Jesus that can disappoint you, then you get disappointed and you won't want to serve that Jesus because it's a false Jesus, and Jesus will never disappoint you. He'll never disappoint you. Let's go to verse 2. What's that word right there, church? Verse 2, what's that word right there? To the saints, meaning all of you. Are you a saint this morning? You may think, I'm no saint. But really, God calls you a saint. You are a saint. Still a sinner, but you're a saint because you've been called of God. And faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae. This letter is to the faithful in Colossae. It says grace to you. Grace to you means unmerited favor. It's been given to you. God's grace. But you don't deserve the grace of God. But he's given it to you. There's something called uh, prevenient grace that they teach. Where there's grace extended to you. But unless you grab it, you won't get it. But grace, when you receive grace... It overwhelms you and consumes you. It's irresistible. It's not something you can push back. I I think I might get it if I want it. I'll pick it up later. No, no, no. If this grace comes to you, immediately you are overwhelmed by this grace. It's irresistible, undeniable, unmerited favor that you get from God. This is grace to who? To you. To you. Incredible grace the words from the songwriter the old hymnal says it's amazing grace amazing grace, this is the grace that is given to us the grace that comes upon all those who trust in him we receive this grace and then it says and peace and peace, grace to you and peace, what kind of peace the peace that says there's no more war. There's no more war that you need to fight. There is no more war. There is peace from God. Grace has been given to you. Now I am at peace with you. I'm giving you peace. There's peace here. In the readings of world wars, Vietnam wars. There were still battles being fought because there could there was no line of communication to get to the other side, the other soldiers. That hey wait a minute, there's no need to fight anymore. Peace has been declared, but because there was no news, there was no communication. They kept fighting with one another. The communication that God is giving us here in this letter is that we are at peace with God. There is no more war with God, no more fighting with God. The unbeliever is constantly at war with God. The Bible says he's at enmity with God. Yeah at war with God, fighting against God, wants nothing to do with God. Why? Because I don't want to be held accountable for who I am. So there's a fight against God and his standards. There's a fight against God and his moral values because people don't want to be held accountable. When you know that you're wrong and God says that you're wrong, you want to say you're right or at least find a God of the Bible, find a God from behind uh, the pulpit a pastor may teach that says, well, I like this, I like this God. I like this, Jesus. I can still continue to do what I want to do. I can still live the way I want to live, and then I still get God. I'm still going to heaven. Now, it's an abuse of God's grace, this grace that's been given to us. We embrace it. We hold it sacredly like there's no way I want to go back to that life that I lived. There's no way I want to do what I did before, knowing that God's grace has come, and I'm saved, I've been redeemed. I, I don't want to abuse. I hold it sacred like this is something... I love and I cherish and he did this for me, me, someone like me, you saved me. Yeah. So you hold this grace and you nurture it. You, you, you are embracing it, not abusing it. You're not abusing it. But peace has come and there's people out there in this, in this letter we get to talk about the, the, the nature of who we were And who we are now in Christ this is going to be an incredible journey in the few coming months to read this letter and to talk about what Paul's telling the church the other important part here is we need to understand because we have peace from God our Father you have God the Father first person of the Godhead you have Jesus the Son of God the second person of the Trinity is the study of your Christology. Point number three of the sermon says this, Christology is the study of the person and work of Jesus Christ. The person and work of Christ. It wasn't enough that he merely, I mean, yes, it was vitally important that he goes to the cross for us and he sheds his blood for us, but he first had to live for us. He was a person with a will, mind and emotions from his human flesh. It's important to study this and in the reading of this letter to Colossae, we will study Christology. Your Christology is very important. You need to understand who Jesus was. He was God in the flesh and yes, he was God. From everlasting to everlasting, he was there when the beginning of, of, of humanity was there, the beginning of creation, he's always been there. The second part of that sentence says it is important to study Christology to be able to differentiate uh, differentiate between false views of Christ and the true Christ. The true Christ. This is very, very important to understand the real Jesus because they were teaching a different Jesus here, trying to teach a different type of Christ here, a Christ that was not in the flesh, a Christ that was just purely spiritual. Of course, this is false teaching, and it was trying to find its way into the healthy church. To live a healthy life, living a healthy life, you need to understand proper Christology. It's the study of Christ, and the person and the work of Jesus. Point number four says receiving a healthy diet by receiving the truth of Scripture leads to right living. And what you all need to understand and what you need to know is that you have to dwell in the Bible. I mean, literally literally live in the Bible. You dwell in the Word of God. You don't make momentary, momentarily visits, you know, these little short visits, but you dwell in the Word of God. You want to be strong? You want to be able to discern? Dwell in the Word of God. You live here. You abide here. This is where you need to be. This is life. These are the very words of God given to us To have a healthy life. We have an enemy. And in the spiritual warfare training on Mondays, is why it's very, very important to me, is because we've experienced a lot of dark demonic activity. Uh, Demons are very real. Very, very real. And if you don't know who Christ is and the identity that you have in him and who he was in the person of Christ, what he did for us, then you won't have any chance against the demonic forces that are coming against you. And they do come against you. And they are very, very real, these demonic forces of evil. So you have to dwell in the word of God. That's another part of it. And when you dwell in the word of God, you become stronger discernibly. You, you, you may, you're able to discern the things of, 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 the, of the Lord, but also what is not of God. You're able to discern. And you should all have a level of discernment already. But you increase in that level of discernment the longer you dwell in the word of God to refute against some of the false teachers that are out there. And believe me, they are out there and they're infiltrating the church with a lot of New Age ideas. Like I mentioned, the Oprah Winfrey religion is a lot of what's happening in the church. You have people in the church, in the American church, bringing a lot of these New Age ideas into the church when they have no place in the church. Agreeing that it's okay to follow these other ways and, not under, and adding to Jesus, but Jesus is all sufficient. Jesus really is all you need. You don't need anything else but Jesus. With the last 10 minutes, let's go to application, a part of this the sermon here with living a healthy life. What do I do with this? What do I do with what you just spoke about in these two verses application number one says Jesus is our example of how we should live our lives do you ever pattern your life after Christ are you patterning your life after Jesus what would Jesus say what would Jesus think what would Jesus how would he would uh, part, uh, partake in his actions and certain things he is how we should pattern our lives after Jesus number two Seek to understand the person and work of Christ to grow in your walk with Christ. And that's very important. Very, very important. Because there's, in the part of the application in seeking to understand the person, the work of Christ, to grow in your walk with Christ. You need to be very observant. Be very observant. And make sure that you are reading the scriptures or or someone's reading them to you and they're interpreting in them properly to you. Very, very important. When you observe, you interpret, then you can apply it to your life. Because if you observe it, and it doesn't sound right, and you check the interpretation, you're not applying that to your life. But when it's right, you're observing, you're interpreting it, and then you can apply it to your life you're dwelling in the Word of God and you're able to discern the things that come your way. Number three, be mindful of false Christ. Be aware of false new age Christ on social media. Why is that important? Because I don't know, maybe 70% of the time you guys are all on your phones, watching videos, seeing pastors go back and forth. I wish I could just imitate a few of them. You guys would know who they are. If I could just imitate a few of them to have this place jumping. But I ain't going to have you jumping. I'm just teaching this. It's like you're getting it. You're reading it. Let it seek in. Let it let it administer your spirit then you apply it to your life. But if I can just jump around, just take a topic and jump around and say kind of crazy things, this place would be jumping. But that ain't going to do nothing but make you feel good, and you'll leave, and you'll be the same old person. When you go go home, you ain't going to change not one bit. Because all we're doing is talking about you and not talking about Jesus. Jesus is the one that transforms lives. His word is what changes us, sustains us, grows us. Observation, interpretation, and then application. Very, very important. Because on social media, there's many things that you will see that sound pretty good. So ask questions about certain people that you may be listening to. I tell you, the greatest resource that you could find is actually on our website. And there's different websites that um, are very, very, very good that we would refer to you and you could find, and they have great teachings there. But on social media, on Instagram and Facebook, There are a lot of pastors putting their sermons up there and a lot of it is really inaccurate. A lot of it is very inaccurate because what they're doing is they're mixing New Age belief with Christianity. We went to Sedona recently and that city is infiltrated with all New Age stuff. But we don't stop from going over there because we have power in the name of Jesus. So we went there, as Rob mentioned, to subdue the earth. And we subdued that campsite and that church in that new age city. That's what we're called to do. We have dominion because we have the name of Jesus. We are in Christ. Number four. This is something that I hope that you all are doing Um, if you haven't please develop this godly habit daily bible reading will help you focus on what godly things rather than worldly things godly things rather than worldly things and will protect you from unhealthy habits spiritually feed yourself live healthy live healthy And finally, the take-home questions are for you and your family to discuss. I pray that you would take this sermon note and you would have dinner as a family. I I don't know if you still do. I pray that many of you still have dinner as a family. I know me and my kids still have dinner as a family. (laughs) Although Eric and Sierra are are gone, Uh, they live on their own. But we have dinner as a family and we always talk. But these are great questions to, to, to talk about. Because when your kids are experiencing a lot of demonic activity and they don't realize what they're experiencing is demonic activity, you are able to give them the truth of God's word. Why? Because you dwell in the word. You have discernment. You understand interpretation and you have application. So they're able to give your kids the truth of the word of God. This is the opening letter. This is the opening intro to this letter. And this letter has a lot of wonderful, wonderful things that we're going to discuss about you, your old life, but before that we get to talk about the preeminence of Christ. I didn't want to get into a lot of the Christology today, but we will in the coming weeks uh, talk to you about the preeminence of Christ, about your old self and the new self, marriages, singleness. We get to talk about all this in this letter and how it applies to your life and the importance of this letter that Paul wrote to the church in Colossae. So let us pray.